Hi, this is Mark, lead pastor of Lux Digital Church. I want to thank you for joining us today and also invite you to join with us live at twitch.tv slash Church every Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. EST. Thank you for joining us and please enjoy this message. Hello and welcome to Lux Digital Church. My name is Mark and I am the pastor here at Lux. I want to say hi to Jashik who followed us. Uh, just a couple minutes ago and said hello in chat. Thank you for being here tonight. Thank you for making us a part of your week. If you don't mind, let us know what brought you to church tonight, what brought you to our channel. We're so glad to have you here. If you're tuning in live with us, there's 70 some people who are here live with us in church right now. And so as I'm speaking, I'm speaking live. So thank you so much for being here. If you've made a point to be here live, on a Wednesday night with us and be part of our community and to celebrate and gather as our family. I want to thank you for making this time a priority. Thank you for being here and thank you for making being part of Lux and investing in your spiritual journey a part of your week. And if you're joining us later on On Demand as part of our On Demand family, thanks for coming by as well. But come and join us next week on Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. EST over at twitch.tv slash Church and be part of a live service with us, especially if you've never done it before. It's very different than what you might experience with another service. We're so thankful for you and so glad that you've made us part of your week and that you're investing in your spiritual journey. But we'd love to have you come and hang out with us live as well and just be part of what God is doing in this space as we bring God glory and make his name known live on Twitch every week inside of the gaming community. So thank you guys so much for being here. Once again, my name is Mark. I get the honor and the privilege of being the lead pastor here at Lux Digital Church. And we're currently in a 12 week series and this is week 11 of the series of messages. This long collection of messages that we kicked off at the beginning of the year with our year-long emphasis on the person of Jesus. We have been talking about the series called Leave Everything and we've been talking about what does it actually mean to follow Jesus. We've been talking, We this is our key statement for the series. Our key statement for the series has been this. Being a follower of Jesus means following Jesus. Being a follower of Jesus means following Jesus and it doesn't mean church service it doesn't mean being a good person. It doesn't mean rescuing kittens from trees or helping old ladies across the street. And going to church and saving kittens are all really good things. And so is helping women across the street. Don't get me wrong. Those are all really good things. But that isn't what it means to be a Christian. What it means to be a Christian is to actually follow Jesus. Nightshade Assassin, gift in five subs to the community tonight. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you, Nightshade. And thanks for being back with us tonight. We have missed you, bro. And your your, your presence has, your, your presence, the lack of your presence has been noticed. We want you to know that we care about you. So thank you so much for being here tonight with us. And so as we're getting ready to kind of close out this series, we've looked at all sorts of different things. Last week, Pastor Barry brought a powerful message about really dying to ourselves daily in order to follow Jesus. And this week, I'm going to be bringing in a message that really connects deeply and directly with life. You see, in the church world, there's this rumor that goes around inside of some communities that all that you really need to do is put your faith in Jesus, and then you get this opportunity to be happy all the time. And in the extreme examples, it's even this promise of exuberant wealth and uh, lots of good health and your family dynamic will improve and everything will get better about your life. It's commonly called the health and wealth gospel. And you'll hear people who preach it and you'll hear people who speak against it pretty commonly inside the church world. And what's really interesting to me is that Jesus was terribly realistic about the way that life is. In the way that he taught and in the way that he lead, he tended to not shy away from things or promise things 
that he knew weren't going to happen. In fact, Jesus doesn't come out and say that if you follow me, that your life will be easy and simple and happy and fulfilled and you'll be wealthy and influential and healthy. In fact, he says almost the exact opposite. There's a passage where Jesus actually says that when you follow him in this life, you will have troubles. And Jesus was terribly honest about the fact that life isn't always ideal. In fact, sometimes life sucks and you have to learn how to navigate it. But there's this really beautiful passage in scripture and there's multiple ones that Jesus talks about this subject. There's this incredible passage in scripture where Jesus is just really honest about the way that we endure the storms that come into our life. And when I say storms, I mean problems or conflicts or things that are unexpected because the reality is all of us face storms. And despite the fact that maybe we say in some circles that being a Christian means that you get to be happy and wealthy and healthy all the time. I don't know about you, but I know lots of lives of people who are followers of Jesus, who largely are kind of like the exact opposite. Their lives end up being a total incomplete train wreck, and it looks more like things are falling apart for them than they are coming together. And so when, oh, thank you for the anonymous gift, whoever gifted, and hey, hello, um, slightly technical. And uh, hello, Declan. It's good to see you guys. Thanks for coming into church. Phantom Methos, thanks for coming to church today. Really appreciate you. Thank you for being here. This is why we got to get you guys to come in. If you're watching us later on over on YouTube or listening to us on podcast, come and join us live next week and be part of the service. So Jesus was incredibly honest throughout his teachings and the way that he led his people with the fact that in life, it's not always going to be peachy and perfect. And sometimes, even if you're my follower, it might appear as though your life is utterly false falling apart. But he gave us the secret to really resisting and living out the storms in a way that our life doesn't fall apart. And that's what we're going to focus on tonight. Uh, is this for real religion stream? It is. This is a for real church. I don't know if I'd call it a religion stream, but it is a legitimate for real church. We are actually talking about Jesus and MoFo. It's good to see you. Welcome to church. My name is Mark and I'm the pastor here at Lux. It's so good to have you here with us. Telly Lund, it's good to see you as well. So I want to tell you a quick story from my own life. So the summer that after my wife and I got married, we got married in August and we had a townhouse for the first year that we got married only a couple streets away from where I am now in the small town that I'm in. Thank you for that gift, Biddy Beth appreciate you. And uh, one night we went to this local carnival that was basically full of scary carnies, some jank rides and some games and some greasy food. Now you might think, oh, why did you go to the carnival? Well, the first time I went to the carnival was years before that. I hadn't really been back since because I saw a guy with no shirt on, but he had replaced his shirt with a living python, literally was wrapped in a living python. And he was cussing out some poor girl, making him a lemonade at one of those really cool fresh squeezed lemonade stands that ended up just really being all sugar in the bottom and all sour at the top. You know how it is. And, uh, and so I, I really had not been back, but we were back because I live in a small town. There's not a whole lot to do in said small town. It's not a whole lot to do in said small town. So we, we showed up at the carnival. And so it was a summer night and it was beautiful and sunny and gorgeous. And we were walking around this small carnival and uh, we were with my brother and my sister-in-law. And I think my brand new nephew at the time, or maybe not brand new, but new or nephew at the time. And, uh, and we were sort of like hanging out, walking around the carnival. And then all of a sudden, in just a moment's notice, it went from a beautiful summer night to absolutely not a beautiful 
beautiful summer night. The winds kicked up, the clouds blew in, and all of a sudden it was like, I think it's going to storm. And it was like, oh, it's definitely going to storm. Then it was like, we have got to get out of here. And I'll never forget, because my brother got one of those limitless root beer cups, which might not be a thing around you, but there's a dude with a root beer stand around here, and he's at everything. And so he had one of these limitless root beer cups, right? And so he's like, I got to get a new root beer. And so he like sprinted back to get his root beer. And on his way back to us, the winds had gotten so intense that he actually picked up an inflatable banana on his way across the carnival grounds because the wind had was just literally blowing inflatable things and toys out of the carnival games. He snatched it up. So he's like, let's go. And he shows up with a root beer in one hand and an inflatable banana in the other. And his wife's pushing a stroller. And we're like, let's go back to our townhouse. And on our way, I was a youth pastor at the time in town. I saw this whole group of teenagers who looked like they were, you know, like caught in headlights. I didn't really know where to go. And I was like, come with us. You can come to our house. And so we show up to our house. I didn't realize what had happened, but everyone was like, let's you know, get all the, they're all calling their friends with them. And so we show up to my townhouse, which has no basement. And as we're getting our way out of the carnival grounds, I hear the sirens inside the fire grounds go off, which is the warning in our area. That means only one thing. And that is, there is a very real tornado that's close by and very likely will hit where we are. And so we get back to my house that has no basement. We open up the bat and I look and I turn around and there's like 12 teenagers in tow that we have collected in our torrential downpour sprint back to our house. You get them all in our house. I don't know what to do with these kids. What do you do with a whole bunch of teenagers during a tornado when you have no basement? We're like shoving them into closets. Like don't let them go to the second floor of the townhouse. We're like looking for places to put these kids. And it was at this point that one of the kids that were there, her name was Casey, she says, my brother and his friend aren't here and they were with us and I'm scared. Now her brother's name was Cam and his friend's name was Darren and both of those were very kids very near and dear to my heart because they were members of my small group. I had had them since seventh grade. They were in 10th grade, I think, at the time. So I was like, okay. I will go find them for you. I had this like moment of sheer courage, right? This moment of courage. I'm like, I'm going to go get these kids and find them in the fairgrounds. So I grab my coat and I run out the back door of our townhouse and I run over to the fairgrounds and I, I turn into the fairgrounds and the scene has now utterly and completely changed. It went from, you know, families and kids and corn dogs and cotton candy and creepy carnies and carnival games and jank rides. And now the place is literally empty. I am the only living soul inside of the fairgrounds at this point. Every tent that once held games and inflatable, you know, hammers and bananas and stuffed animals were now closed over. The tent flaps were pulled down. The rides had been shut down and there is not a living soul in the carnival. And I am standing in the middle of an abandoned carnival in a torrential downpour with wind whipping and the sirens of the warning about a tornado going on over my head. And for a brief moment my courage failed and I thought to myself I am about to die I'm I'm a hundred like I am going to die today I am going to get killed by a tornado and an abandoned fairground through being impaled by a hundred corn dog sticks like I didn't know what was gonna happen but I was like I'm dead like I'm definitely dead here right and just FYI to close up the story I ran around a police officer literally grabbed me and pulled me in to the uh the fire hall bar in which he would not allow me to leave and after the storm had passed which was a microburst there was a tornado it didn't hit us luckily didn't destroy my townhouse. Um, I went outside and I found the two kids that I had been looking for who were like playing with a football in the, in the field next to us, which was bizarre. But anyway, in that moment, I'm standing in this storm and it occurred to me, man, life can change on a dime. You can go from one moment, we're eating some deep fried Oreos 
in a, on a sunny day with your family in a carnival, in the next moment, it can seem like everything is flipped. The next moment, you're in the middle of a storm. You're alone. You're scared. You feel abandoned. You don't really know where to turn. And you don't know what's going to happen next. Well, that's because you got a diagnosis you didn't expect. You got a phone call to let you know that you lost somebody who you thought you'd always have. Or that's because you lost a job. It was your dream job. You found out something about your spouse you never imagined would happen. There are times in life when things go from a summer day, suddenly there's a storm and your life is turned upside down. And most of us have had one or two of those in our life. And most of us hope that tomorrow isn't the day where another one blows in, but most of us know there's at least the chance that tomorrow could be a day that everything gets flipped on its head for us. Because life is unpredictable. And crap happens. To people who follow Jesus and people who don't follow Jesus, sometimes the wheels come off. And like homemade things says, you get the call that says that you have cancer. Homemade things, not more than two months ago, three months ago, everything was fine and sunny. And then she was thrust into a storm. We've been walking through that storm with her. She understands that. And I'm sure so do many of you where everything was fine and then everything wasn't. The beautiful thing about the teachings of Jesus is that Jesus doesn't shy away from that. And he also doesn't abandon us in it. Because sometimes the world has a way of either ignoring the fact that bad things happen or engaging in the fact that bad things happen, but not really providing a solution. And Jesus has this unique way of engaging in the fact that bad things happen to us, that crappy stuff happens in life, but he also shows us the way out. It says this in the book of Matthew chapter 7. These are straight from the teachings of Jesus, and I absolutely love this. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like the person who builds their house on solid rock. Though the rain comes and the torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like the person who builds a house on sand. And when the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. And when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching for he taught with real authority quite unlike their teachers of religious law. Jesus teaches that in life there will be storms. And some of them will be harsh and some of them will threaten to tear down and destroy everything that we've built in life. He's really honest about the fact that, hey, Mofo, thank you for the follow. He's really honest about the fact that sometimes there will be things that come into your life that threaten to tear down the life that you've built. But then in that, he says, but if you want your structure to stand, you can build it on stone. Now, 2,000 years ago, this might, well, this might not mean anything to you right now because you might be like, I don't know what he's talking about. We dug a foundation and poured cement. Or you might be like, I have no idea how a house is built. I just happen to live in one. But 2,000 years ago, the Jews in this area would have been very familiar and understood a lot of these analogies. In fact, they may have even had a friend whose house had collapsed because it had un improper footing. It, it wasn't built on bedrock. 
And you might be wondering, like, why that is. Well, Jesus is teaching in the region of Galilee at this time. Now, I've been physically in the region of Galilee, so I can say with a level of authority that this is geologically how it actually is. The sea of the, the region of Galilee is dominated by the Sea of Galilee, and all the towns are positioned. Tiberias, Capernaum, all of the towns are positioned right on the sea. They're fishing villages. And it sits in kind of a geological bowl, so it's surrounded by high ground and mountains on all sides. And because of the way that it's made, or the way that it's, like, positioned, a lot of times storms would blow in out of nowhere. And they can be very, very sudden. Even to this day, in the area and the region of Galilee, storms can blow in out of nowhere. It can be going from a perfectly peaceful day to suddenly a horrendous storm. So it was dangerous to be a fisherman for that reason. And you were prepared to weather storms. But because all of their homes were built near the shore because they were fishermen, they were well acquainted with the fact that when you built a house, you had to build it on bedrock. You couldn't just build it on sand. They actually lived near the sand, and they probably knew people whose house had collapsed because a sudden storm had showed up. So they understood that. But Jesus isn't just talking about the storms the we face in real life. He's not talking about a thunderstorm. He's And he's not even talking about sand, and he's not even talking about real stone. He's talking about something deeper. He says, those who follow my teachings are like the ones who build their house on a rock. Jesus isn't talking about architecture. He's not talking about a building project. He's not talking how you actually should build or should not build your house. Jesus is specifically talking about the ideologies, the beliefs, and the worldview that we see through that tell us how the world operates, that tell us what's right and what's wrong. And he says, if you will take on my worldview, if you'll embrace my teachings, if you, will, if you will take the things that I'm telling you and you will make them a part of your life, it will be as though you are building your life, which is the house, right? It's not a real house. It's his life, our life. It'll be as though you're building your life on the rock. And when problems blow in and when storms come and when life throws you a curveball that you didn't inspect, it didn't inspect, expect, instead of your house falling apart and your life falling apart, if you'll build your life, on my ideologies, if you'll build your life on my teachings, if you build your life on my worldview, if you'll adopt these lenses that I see through, which is the truest way to see the world because I created it with my voice, right? I spoke it into existence. If you'll embrace the way we see the, the way I see the world, if you'll embrace my teaching, then when the storms come, your life will not fall apart. Now, this is the part where we cue in and say, well, all that you need to do is put your faith in Jesus. And if you put your faith in Jesus, everything in life will be perfect. When the storms of life come, your life won't fall apart. But we all know that's true. We all know there's plenty of Christians or people who attend church, at least on the weekends, who maybe they seem like Christians, but then the storm comes and their life seems to fall apart. And oftentimes, let's just be real, their faith with it. We live in a world where there are literally thousands of people deconstructing because the storms of life blew in and their faith didn't seem stable enough to withstand the storm. And so we're looking in this and saying, well, I understand, you know, the basic premise, right? If we put our faith in Jesus, great. And then we build it on the rock and then we're, our life is on the rock. And so people look at this passage and they don't view this as a way to change their life and live after 
after the teachings of Jesus. They look at this as an insurance policy for the life that they already have. But Jesus isn't telling us to put our faith in him so that we have an insurance policy for the life that we've already established. He's talking about a total and complete transformation about the way that we see and interact with the world. He's saying, if you'll adopt my teachings, if you'll adopt my teachings, that when the storms of life come, your house will not fall. Which brings me to my first of two points. And it's this, putting your faith in Jesus doesn't automatically believe, doesn't automatically mean uh, you are building your life on the rock. Put, by the way, hi STVN, the crowned one, it's good to see you, welcome. Greg, can you grab me a water? Putting your faith in Jesus doesn't automatically mean you're building your life on the rock. I know, Stephen for short, I know a lot of people who've confessed faith in Jesus during an emotional moment and they've tacked that on to an already established life that they have no intention of adjusting or changing. And it's like they have this house that's, hi, Dream, my Kiwi VTuber. It's good to see. Good to see you. Welcome in, Dreamy. Thank you for stopping by. My name is Mark. I'm the pastor here at Lux. It's so good to have you here. It's like we see somebody who builds their house on this sandy, beautiful beach, and, and the world puts out some really beautiful beachside pictures, right? They're polished on... Uh, Thank you for the raid, uh, D-G-R-E-G-Z-T-V, thank you. Um, they put out some beautiful beachside pictures, right? And they're gorgeous. They're polished. We see the Instagram, uh, you know, uh, influencers and all the travel that they do. We see the YouTubers and all the influence that they have. We see the world of the rich and the wealthy. And just as a heads up, they never advertise the beachfront property on a day when a storm blows in and the waves are swelling and the buildings are sinking. They only show it on beautiful days where there's hot sun and cool waves. But we see all of that stuff and it's kind of appealing to us, right? And so we have our life that's built mostly on the ways of the world, the ideologies and the thought patterns and the worldviews of our world. And then we're like, I'll put my faith in Jesus. And really what we're doing is we're kind of like throwing up a couple of pieces of plywood on the side of the building. And we're like, well, that's, that's my Jesus room. That's where Jesus lives. He lives in the lean to on the rock off the back of the beach house. That's, that's my Jesus room right there. Can't you see it? There's a, yeah, I have the lean to for Jesus and then I build my house out here, but that's my insurance policy. So if the storm comes, my lean to will protect the house that I built. But who knows if the structure falls, the lean to falls with it. The lean to doesn't protect the beach house. In fact, the beach house threatens to destroy the, the one room Jesus leaned to. Because Jesus doesn't say, just put your faith in me as an insurance policy for your life. He says, if you will obey my teachings, if you will obey my teachings, it will be as though you've built your house on the rock. So guys, a lot of us, we've got some beliefs that we've adopted from the world that aren't anything like the teachings of Jesus. And the church has been notorious for this. For hundreds of years, churches in the southern part of the United States and all across the United States publicly supported slavery because they took an established belief and ideology of the world 
and they tacked it to the teachings of Jesus instead of allowing Jesus to reform and reframe their view of humankind. When Jesus says, embrace my teaching and follow me, he's not talking about tacking on some good sayings or some quotable scriptures to your already established life. He says, you got to stop building on the sand. I realize the beachfront property looks beautiful. And guys, I'm not saying that wealth is bad. I'm not saying that possessions are bad. I'm not saying a good job is bad. I'm not saying happiness is bad. All of those things exist on the rock too. Jesus isn't talking about your possessions. When he talks about your life, the point isn't the house that you built. Jesus is like, you can build on the sand or you can build on the rock. You can build on either one of them. And there's good things in both houses. Jesus isn't against possession. Jesus isn't against blessing. Jesus is more concerned with foundation than he is possessions. He's saying, if you're going to build your life and call yourself my follower, you got to build your life on the foundational truths that I have taught you. And here's something even more important. It's the second point. It says, sometimes you got to tear down what you've already built. Sometimes you got to tear down what you've already. Can you tell me if poverty is seen as a punishment from Jesus? Someone grab that question and give it to me in post-show from MoFo. I will, I will deal with it directly, Mofo. Absolutely. Sometimes you got to tear down what you've already built. Listen, guys. Sometimes we've accepted ideologies of the world, sayings of the world, mental pins in the way that we think, and we've embraced them as truth, and they are directly in contradiction to the teachings of Jesus. Let me, let me, give, you, let me give you two examples. These are common ones that people get with them through upbringing and carry with them into faith. One of those is, the, is, is an idea around sexuality and sex in which we've pretty much ad adopted and, and taken on a belief that sex is a physical activity between two adults and it's purely that and as long as it is consensual, right, and, and it is safe that there's nothing wrong with it. But then we become a Christian and we learn from God's word that Jesus and God set down a very different standard for sex. In fact, he said that sex was created with a great deal of intentionality. It was created to be this beautiful bonding in which chemicals are even released in the brain to take two people and bring them and make them into one. And it was this oneness that would bind people together in a relationship that would mimic the way that God himself loved the church. And the closest thing that we would get to understanding the way that Jesus loved us is the love between husband and wife. And this is where sexuality was to flourish and to be explored and to be experienced in beautiful and intricate ways. But we have a belief about sex from beforehand that we take with us into our following of Jesus. Let me give you another example. You're raised in a home that taught you that the color of somebody's skin makes them inherently less valuable than what you are. So we've adopted this racism into our hearts, and maybe we're not public about it. Maybe we're not using racial slurs, but we think differently about people of different skin colors than us because of the way that we were raised. And because we've adopted that into who we are, that when we come to know Jesus, we realize that Jesus doesn't discriminate between color of skin or nationality or language, but loves each man individually the same and came and sacrificed himself for each and every one of them because he loves them as much much as he loves you, but because of these ideologies that we picked up for child. So either we fear losing a relationship 
that would have to change for us to come into alignment with God's view of sexuality and Jesus teaching on it. Or we have to maybe betray our family because we're saying that God teaches something different about nationality and race and skin color. And so in fear of losing the structure that we've built, we keep the sandy foundation. Because the truth is, most of us have built parts of our lives, whether those be relationships, whether those be work, whether those be uh, our hobbies and the things that we enjoy, we've built a portion of our life on the sand already based off of thoughts and ideologies that do not line up at all with Jesus. Once guys, it doesn't have to do with possessions. This has to do with the core of who we are. It has to do with belief. And ultimately, it comes down to this question. Do my beliefs display that Jesus is in charge of my life or that I am? Do my beliefs display that Jesus is in charge of my life or that I am? Because listen, guys, if we're going to call ourselves followers of Jesus here at Lux Digital Church and be convincing at all, especially for people, let's say there's some folks who are here with us right now. Mofo, I don't know if you're a, a Christian, a believer or not, I, it, but yeah, I, I don't know and you don't need to share. By the way, we have all kinds of really great people who are here tonight. Like I, I'm, not, I'm not exactly sure where you are, but when people come into our community who aren't followers of Jesus, the questions that they ask is, are these people really followers of Jesus or are they playing? Or are they just joking around? Because for most people, the vast majority of their experience with the occasional one-off or two-off thing is that they've gone to churches or they've observed Christians and they've seen people who claim to be followers of Jesus, but they've accepted all of the ideologies and beliefs of the world and never allowed Jesus to actually transform their life. So they haven't shifted what they believe about the world to the things that Jesus taught about the world. And so they're unconvinced. Why would I believe that there is a God that loves me and a man who lived 2000 years ago that died for me. If, if you who call yourself his followers don't even believe it enough to allow his teachings to shape or form your preconceived ideas about the world. If your life looks no different than mine, if you're just as depressed, if you're just as anxious, if you're just as addicted, if you're just as angry, if you're just as hateful as the rest of the world, what part of me is convinced that the church is any different or makes any difference? We're the ambassadors of Jesus Christ. Not just to the people that we meet here on Twitch and online. For every person that you encounter in life, you're an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Here's the truth. Life is going to bring storms. And I've watched time and time again as people have claimed to have faith in Jesus and I've watched their faith slip out of their hands when the storms of life come. Why? Because they built their whole house on the sand and they built their shack on the rock. And when the sand gave way and the house fell, it drug the shack with it. The shack didn't keep the house on the rock. The house drug the shack from the rock. I've watched it happen over and over again. That when tragedy struck, they're like, God didn't fulfill his promise to me. He didn't protect the house that I built. It's like, no, he told you you would protect the house that you built if you built it on the rock, but you put a shack on the rock and you neglected it for the rest of your life. And every other aspect of your life looks like the world. Only the shack looks like Jesus. 
you know, you can't tear away the house and expect it not to damage the person any more than you can rip the kitchen out of my house and expect it not to damage my dining room, living room, and my bedroom. If you come over today and you're, and, and, and listen, we pride ourselves in being people who are kind of like segmented, segmented and stoic, right? If disappointment or tragedy comes, it won't impact the rest of our lives. We can deal with it in a compartmentalized way, but people are not like that. We are interwoven and connected in beautifully intricate ways. You can't rip a room out of my house and not expect it to impact the rest of my house. And here's the truth. We all are sand and rock builders. All of us are. It doesn't matter if you've been following Jesus passionately for years or if you're here tonight and you're hearing about this stuff for the first time and quite frankly, you think it sounds absolutely bat crap crazy. We're all sand and rock builders. Sometimes we build our life on the rock and sometimes we build our life on the sand. And following Jesus isn't a destination, it's a journey. And it's a journey by continually allowing the power of the Holy Spirit to confront the things in our life that aren't in line with the teachings and the belief of Jesus and allows us then having him pull those onto the rock. And sometimes that means tearing down a part of the house. Sometimes that means that we lose relationships. Sometimes that means that we lose things that we enjoy. Sometimes there's sections of our life that are right on the beachfront that seem cozy and nice that we can't keep living in because we need to change the foundation. Which is really what our next step is this week. It's this. I will work to align my beliefs with the teachings of Jesus this week. I will work to align my beliefs with the teachings of Jesus this week. This is not easy. This is not easy. It's incredibly difficult. Guys, I just want you um, I just want you to know that I see some of you guys who are here. Ara LVX, thank you. Um, I, see, I see your names. I see you here. I know this is different than a normal Twitch stream at this point. But I see you here. I appreciate you. And I'm glad that you're here with us tonight. Thank you for being here. I know it's not easy to make your beliefs, your ideologies, the way you see the world and line them up with the teachings of Jesus. But if you're going to claim to be a follower of Jesus, that's the destination for all of us. And you might think that you can't deal with the pain, but I can promise you the pain of forming a new foundation is a lot better than the pain of watching the whole house collapse. Some of us need to move some rooms. Some of us need to tear some stuff down. Most of us have at least one or two beliefs stuck in our head that aren't anything like Jesus and the way that he taught or the things that he says about us that we know that we have to get rid of. Some of these thoughts are self-hatred, like we're worthless or we don't have value. And Jesus calls us a masterpiece, that he calls us his sons and daughters. Some of us feel like we've done things that can't be forgiven, but God said there's nothing outside of his reach and he takes our sin and places them as far as the east is from our wet from the west when we place our faith in him. Some of us believe that God is a God who's way up and far away, just a mean kid with a magnifying glass burning the legs off of ants and worthy ants, but God says that he's close to us and he's close to the brokenhearted, that he cares for us and that he walks with us. Some of us have beliefs about the nature of God and who he is that have to be let go of. Some of us have beliefs about other people, situations that we think are unredeemable, people that we think can't be saved, situations that we feel can't be restored. God says there's nothing outside of his reach. Some of us need to let go of some of the things that we've learned about life and brought into following Jesus and adopt the teachings and the ways of Jesus instead. In fact, I believe that not some of us, but all of us need that. And I know that I need it. So my prayer for us this week is that we'll take that inward walk and really ask, what are the things, what are the things that I'm building on? 
What are the beliefs and the worldviews that don't line up with Jesus? And I hope that you'll start moving those things to the sand, off the sand, into the rock. Let's pray. Father, I love you. Thank you for Egres TV who just followed us here. I thank you for every soul that's here. Father, to us, they are more into you. They are more than a screen name. They're more than a profile picture. They're more than a Twitch chat. They are real people with real stories and real names on real spiritual journeys. And I thank you for them. I thank you that they're here and I want them to know, Father, that they matter not just to us, but to you. Help us, God, to be proper ambassadors for what you led, what you taught, the things that you left to us. Help us, Father, to adopt your teachings and to abandon the things of this world that are like building on sand. Father, there's many good things that the life offers. This world advertises. There's lots of beachfront property out there. Help us, Father, to be more concerned with building on bedrock than on the beach. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Lux Digital Church. If Lux has been having an impact on your life, I want to encourage you to visit us at luxdigitalchurch.com and get connected to our community there. We're so thankful for you and we appreciate you. Have a blessed day and a blessed week.